How's everybody doing? Uh, this is my second live for today, and I, it's an, this is an important video. So I want everybody to pay attention. For those of you that are used to my normal content, I am going to try very, 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 very hard to not swear in this video, simply because I don't want there to be any reason that this video would not be viewed by anybody for any reason like that. And I understand I'm not a big fan of people trying to control speech or police speech on what, you know, and how people can talk. But I do understand that this is the world we live in. And I think that this video is extremely, extremely important. I have said for several years now that the push for pharmaceutical intervention for weight loss and surgical intervention for weight loss was going to be very serious and it was going to be very, uh, uh, very prevalent in the coming years, especially uh, once I saw what 2020 did with the massively increased rate of growth in the obesity rates. Uh, I really took a look at it at solidly what was going on. And I did, you know, say that I believe and it's coming to fruition that a lot of pharmaceutical companies will, in fact, start pushing very seriously harsh and not all that effective uh, pharmaceuticals, not to mention uh, weight loss surgery for everybody from 12 years on and up. And there's already been some weight loss drugs that are approved for 12 year olds. Um, at no point in time am I going to say that these items don't work. I'm not going to call into question the veracity of their studies. I do think that these types of medications and pharmaceuticals uh, have some place, especially for people that are in very, very dire need. We have a lot of people using these right now uh, to, in fact, just lose a little bit of weight. And it's it is causing issues for people that this these pharmaceuticals could uh, could use. One of the biggest things that I'm going to point out in this 60 minutes video that was just from the other day is that it, there is complete conflict of interest from 60 minutes and the person that they are interviewing to speak in a place of authority that this is an advertisement. This video, this whole video is an advertisement for a very harsh pharmaceutical um, or two. It's actually the same. It's actually the same drug produced in different wordage and different doses. Uh, this is a very serious topic that I think needs to be addressed. I am not saying that these should never be prescribed, especially uh, they should be prescribed with type two diabetes and stuff like that. Uh, but they're very contraindicated in many, many, many cases. And I'm going to talk about this. I've made multiple videos about this topic, and I just think it's extremely important that we see that it is starting to be pushed in a very, you know, not so ethical manner uh, as this is admitted that it is kind of an advertisement, but not really, uh, not really admitted that this is a paid advertisement for pharma that is presented as a very serious, we need to help these people pay for this, the push to have these medications paid for via insurance and or through MedD uh, or MedB, excuse me, is very, very high. And that's, uh, uh, that is kind of scary for me uh, because what people don't understand is when we have insurance pay for the bulk of these very expensive medications, that means that insurance rates go up for everybody. When I talk about often shared societal burden, uh, of obesity, this is part of it. Uh, 
the shared societal burden of obesity happens in the massively increased uh, prevalence of chronic illness and disease. Lifestyle-driven chronic illness makes up about 80% of our complete expenditure in our healthcare system via pharmaceuticals and resource usage and stuff like that. And that's about $2.7 to $3 trillion a year at this stage. So uh, people need to grasp that a huge, huge shared societal burden through increased insurance rates and or uh, the uh, amount of uh, taxes taken to help pay for medical care because the, the federal government is, in fact, the largest payee of healthcare expenditure in the United States. It's, it's very, we, we need to see this because the problem is not the low, the, the low supply of these uh, medications. The problem is that we are making it seem like they're needed for weight loss for everybody to begin with. That's a problem in and of itself. Another problem is if you want these types of medications, you should have to pay for this out of your own pocket. I truly believe that. If you are, if, if, if you have something where it's prescribed you, where you have type 2 diabetes and can help you escape type 2 diabetes, like at no point in time am I seeing our healthcare industry or our public health officials present, uh, present solutions, long-term solutions besides these drugs. And I am all about lifestyle mitigation, our coaching, my books, uh, our product, No Morbidity, is all meant to help a person build a healthier lifestyles so then they can continue on happily and healthily for the rest of their life. Uh, so we're going to get to this video. I'm going to play it at 1.25 speed. I'm worried that right now that 60 Minutes and or YouTube will strike this video down. So this is being broadcast also on our uh, on our channel uh, on, um, uh, whatchamacallit, it's also being uh, put on our uh, uh, on our Twitter, the MFing COO, and the Alan Roberts, because I have to have two, because one got hacked. Uh, but it's also being put on the Every Damn Day uh, Fitness Facebook page and both YouTube channels, Alan Roberts Uncensored and Alan Roberts, uh, just Alan Roberts. It's also going to be on our podcast, which is Alan Roberts Uncensored on Spotify uh, after this is done. And it's going to be up on Rumble also, which is the Alan Roberts. Because this is a very serious, important video. The last couple of days have been kind of a revolution for me where I've noticed that where we're at the, with the data we have, the knowledge we have, the goal, and people please understand that I'm not trying to be some sort of, you know, like person that's trying to raise alarm for no reason. The goal of things like this is to sell pharma. And it, if they're not coupling the concept of using pharmaceuticals to get healthy with lifestyle change and mitigation, on a permanent basis, they want you to continue with the unhealthy lifestyle so they can then treat it forever. Like that's not the, that's not my goal. That should be no, no healthcare professional. And I'm not a healthcare professional anymore. I was a healthcare executive for a long time, but that shouldn't be any healthcare professional's goal, nor should it be any fitness professional's goal. Anybody that deals with health in any way, your goal should be to make sure that a person can just through their, via their lifestyle, lead the happiest, healthiest life possible. And if we do need to have some sort of pharmaceutical, surgical, or medical intervention, that should be a last resort. It shouldn't be the first thing that we do uh, in society. Because indeed, pharmaceuticals, there's not one drug that does not have deleterious side effects. And the drugs that we're going to be talking about here, which is Smeglitude, Wegovy, and Ozempic, uh, and Wegovy and Ozempic are just larger doses and different doses, different packaging, 
different marketing uh, of Smeglitude. Uh, and it is a it, it, it is a very, it, like, I understand that it does help people. The boasting that they have for these, we're, we're going to get to the video here in a second, but the boasting they have for the results are not good, you know, from a, uh, from a professional standpoint, uh, as, a, as a professional weight loss coach, best-selling weight loss author, somebody that's lost and kept off 100 pounds myself, somebody that has coached over 1,000 people to, uh, to weight loss, I just don't, I don't see this as being a long-term solution, especially in the fact that uh, the core drug that is just at a higher dosage uh, in, in both Wegovy and Ozempic has a black box warning for thyroid tumors. They don't, they've never even tested on human beings. They know it causes thyroid tumors in rats, just fooled. But they also, uh, it also has many, many, many other possible side effects, such as suicidal ideation. It shouldn't be given to anybody that has depression. And I challenge you to find somebody that is morbidly obese, that is willing to pay large amounts of money even after their copay, that does not have some sort of depression, and they're willing to inject themselves in the stomach once a month or once a week, excuse me, with this. So we're going to get to the video. And this is right off of their YouTube. I'm playing at 1.25 speed. Uh, I, I, I'm going to talk about the wording of it and everything like that. This is 60 minutes. Uh, I'm going to play it like this. And I just want to point out that this says promising new weight loss medication in short supply and often not covered by insurance. As if that's the problem, not the problem that we need such a large quantity of weight loss medication because the country is indeed so obese. Uh, the obesity rates, I have a hard time believing that the obesity rates aren't well over 50 to 60%. The last reading of obesity rates we got in America was 2018 numbers basically, and that's the data that was taken beforehand. That doesn't include the just natural growth rate that we've been showing, uh, yet alone the great fattening of 2020 when the entire country stayed at home and ordered DoorDash for a year and gained weight Childhood obesity is, is at a higher rate than it's ever been. The, uh, the childhood obesity rate grew by 10 times what it normally was in 2020. Uh, we, we are, I have a hard time believing that we are not indeed well over 50% obesity in America, probably at 20 to, 20 to 5 to 30% morbid obesity in America. Uh, and if we're not at 90, 85 to 90% overweight, um, I can tell you this, that a lot of people that are even at a healthy weight are also metabolically unhealthy as the, just because your weight is there, the large visceral deposits that we, you're seeing people have these pot bellies is an extremely dangerous thing. And I find it kind of crazy that the angry bald man that swears into a camera almost on a daily basis is gonna try to be the person that says, maybe we should just try to be healthier. Um, I, I don't understand why healthcare professionals or public health officials, the only, the only reasoning I can come up with is that they're being paid. And this video kind of proves it. We're going to start listening to it right now at 1.25 speed. And then I'm going to stop it intermittently and add my thoughts after I probably take a few deep breaths and try not to swear. Because again, I want this to be a no swearing video, um, which for those of you that watch me all the time, that's very hard because I do believe, and by the way, just as an answer to that really quick, I do believe that uh, when people have to stop, and I'm doing it right now, when people have to stop and curate their speech, 
that they're not speaking directly from the heart. They're thinking it through too much. And I prefer people to, if I swear a lot, I prefer people to know that it's just because those are my words and that's what's coming through my brain. And I'm just kind of vomiting it out onto, onto the camera. So uh, we're going to start with this. And again, I'm going to stop it here and there. This is 60 minutes. Uh, the title of the video is Promising New Weight Loss Medication in Short Supply and Often Not Covered by Insurance. Almost half of American adults have obesity. I would argue that we're well over that, but let's go. A condition that was a fraction of that just 40 years ago. So therefore, it's not your genetics. I mean, right there, this person openly said it wasn't that way 40 years ago. 40 years ago was the onset of ultra-processed foods uh, and the mass production of highly processed items that we eat. Uh, 40 years ago, most of the items that are on the shelves right now didn't even exist 40 years ago. A vast majority of the ingredients in a lot of the foods um, that we have right now were not even around 40 years ago. And I just find it amazing that we don't see the correlation and like the, nobody wants to, these people don't want to admit the correlation between it's the food that's making us sickly and in need of the even thought process of these medications when in fact we could just mitigate through lifestyle changes. Again, it's going to be... Uh, it, if you don't see the parallels, I, I don't know if I can help you if you're that far in denial, but let's keep going. And scientists don't agree on what's caused the dramatic increase. What everyone does agree on is that it's a major health crisis. Because it is a major health crisis. A lot of people actually don't agree on it, though. I mean, you can ask a bunch of people, especially in the media, who talk about anybody that brings it up is some kind of phobic. And uh, mainstream media is pushing the, the at, at the same time, we have 60 minutes talking about how it is important that we have this life-saving you know, medication be paid for by insurance and we need to increase the supply of it and all these things. We also have people like Shape Magazine and, uh, you know, Cosmopolitans and all these other magazines and, and influencers stating that being obese is perfectly healthy and fine and there's not a problem with it. Um, the media is both trying to normalize the use of these types of things and surgeries, uh, even for children nowadays, versus lifestyle mitigation, while also telling people uh, that if you tell anybody they should lose weight, that you are the problem. I mean, this is just true. Uh, it's one of the reasons why my YouTube channel does not actually get notified to people. I mean, so it's just it's reality. Uh, they protect the people that are gaining weight from the absolute truth of this, what this woman is putting, because not everybody agrees that it's bad for you. Everybody should agree that being obese is in fact unhealthy for you. It is not a secret. We know this biologically, evolutionarily, uh, we know this, but it's, it's not in complete agreeance. That's just not true. Because obesity can cause type two diabetes, hypertension, stroke, and more than a dozen cancers. Now there's a medication. Neuroinflammation, osteoarthritis, weakening of the tendons, um, uh, completely disrupted endocrine levels in children, especially. It could alter childhood development with for gray matter. Uh, they they develop gray matter at a at a at a slower rate, and they have less gray matter in their brain. So if you have an obese child, the chances that they will have the same amount of gray matter as somebody uh, of their same age, same height, uh, and same even ethnicity, everything like that. Uh, they will not have the same amount of gray matter because they grew up obese. I mean, it's, it's way more extensive than what people 
even when even when they want to admit it, this is the way sugared down version of it. Massive correlation with type two uh, with uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, um, early death. The massive, massive correlations with this, uh, and she's still being kind of just kind of you know light about it, frankly. That leads to dramatic weight loss, but it's wildly expensive. Well, it is wildly expensive. Dramatic weight loss is not really the case. And we'll get to that in a second. Hollywood celebrities take it to flatten their tummies, but few can afford the thousands of dollars it costs a year. Well, I mean, it, they're making it seem like it's being withheld because of the price from people when in fact, you know, it would even save you money eating less. You know, like... The, the concept that we need to somehow pay for this for everybody because Hollywood celebrities who are you know, completely the bastion of normalcy, mental health and, and, and you know, morals. Uh, Hollywood is absolutely for some reason. I mean, I guess because these people are also considered Hollywood, I guess, kind of um, to think that these people should be like we should actually mimic our lives around these people um, is, in fact, a huge problem with society to begin with. Also, it just is because th their lives are not your lives. It's not realistic. Uh, on many cases, we should not like, maybe they shouldn't make as much money, you know? And very few insurance companies will cover it, even though in 2013, the American Medical Association, some would say finally recognized obesity as a disease. The story. It shouldn't, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a disease of lifestyle, absolutely. But if that's the case, then why aren't we treating it as one? Why, why, why do public health officials not talk about it? Public health officials had the biggest misstep in history uh, in 2020 when we absolutely knew that uh, the reason for the entire entirety of mitigation to the entire planet, for that matter, I almost just swore, I caught myself, but the, the lockdowns, masks, all that stuff, you know, we knew that the most high-risk people were elderly people and obese people. This is data that was shown even from when for the, from China, Italy, uh, and early on, we knew this. And not one time did I hear any of the public health officials that were in charge of the response um, talk about let's lead a healthy lifestyle. Instead, we actually offered cheeseburgers and fries and Krispy Kreme donuts to take a certain therapy. So uh, let's be real. They don't want you healthy. They want you to use these drugs. And I'm sorry if people, if that seems off to people, you can call me what you want. But show me a public health official that said, hey, we should do this, this, this. But also, if you are obese, do your very best to get to a healthier weight. Uh, don't eat as much highly inflammatory foods, which is ultra processed foods. Uh, and ultra processed foods have recently been shown to even have deleterious effects on executive function. I made a video about that just yesterday where it's, uh, if eaten over 20% of your daily caloric intake for uh, a period of time, they check back after a median of eight years, uh, it showed 25% decrease in executive function, which is self-control, perseverance, uh, time management, uh, kind of self-awareness, you know, uh, task initiation, many things. So the suggestion by every healthcare official, especially public health official, should in fact be to minimize the ingestion of these pro ultra processed foods which are highly palatable that a lot of people tend to overeat that results in obesity. I have been coaching people from morbidly obese weights to healthy states for about six years now, seven years now. We, my, between my wife and I, we've coached over a thousand people from obese to healthy weights uh, via lifestyle mitigation or like that, even before the inception of our, uh, 
of our non-stimulant, non-thermogenic-based appetite suppressant, no morbidity, which you can see up in the corner of the screen, I can guarantee you that the vast, 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 vast majority of them overate ultra-processed foods, mainly ultra-processed carbohydrates and processed sugar. Um, and not one public health official has talked about these types of things because indeed it's an enormous industry. The federal government even subsidizes the ultra-processed sugar industry $4 billion a year of taxpayer money. And that's from years ago numbers. It's probably way more than that right now. Sorry, we'll continue in a moment. It's a brain disease. It is? It's a brain disease. And the brain tells us how much to eat and how much to store. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford, an obese. The brain tells you how much to eat and how much to store based off of many factors, including your ghrelin levels, your leptin levels, those sorts of things, um, and how much you have those insulin levels, how much you have of them. The problem is when you eat ultra processed foods to a great degree, especially ultra processed carbohydrates, they enter your bloodstream quickly and they cause an insulin spike. That insulin spike negates like kind of the leptin response. You get insulin. You Most people that are um, insulin resistant are also leptin resistant. Leptin is released by your fat cells, goes to the brain and tells your brain, hey, we've had enough because when you've eaten enough and you have enough fat on you already, it you have more leptin. The problem is that people become leptin resistant when they're morbidly obese because they flush their system so hard with ultra processed carbohydrates. And this is just science that is not mentioned in this video, but I would challenge this woman or anybody in this video or anybody else to challenge the actual known biological factors of this. Um, it's kind of crazy. Obesity doctor at Mass General Hospital an associate professor at Harvard Medical School says common beliefs. Okay, about so obesity. she's an obesity doctor at Harvard Medical School and at a hospital, but she does have another job that they do not seem to mention right off the bat as they're listing off her credentials. We'll get to that in a minute. They are all wrong. It is your turn to get on that scale. And diet shows, like The Biggest Loser, you lost 128 pounds. are snookering people. If you die. Well, here's where I actually agree with this video. Uh, everybody can check my content history. I'm a very, I do, I am just anybody that's ever been involved with the show, The Biggest Loser, um, should be seen as the horrible. And I'm going to have a hard, I'm going to watch my, watch my language, but they should be seen as the horrible, 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 greedy and uh, immoral person that they are. Uh, it, the, the show, The Biggest Loser, is literally the uh, systemic mental and physical torture of obese people for public enjoyment and money. That's, li it, that's literally what it is. It was one of the most horrific shows I've ever seen. Um, it was devoid uh, of any type of actual long-term lifestyle mitigation and help. It is just, it, it is arguably one of the worst, worst possible things uh, that I've ever seen on TV. I used to do uh, reviews of those. Um, anybody that any anybody that's ever been a trainer on that show, you should just not listen to. They, I mean, they should just they should not be taken seriously. Anybody that didn't walk on set, hear what they had to say, and realize that if they didn't realize that it was absolutely deliriously negatively affecting people's long term health to crash diet and have these people work out as hard as they could in a vacuum in a uh, microcosm of what their world would actually be because at no point in time did they work on lifestyle changes. It was just a visualization of a crash diet with extreme workout program that was in fact not, most of the people on that show should not have been doing anything that they were doing. 
working out as hard as they were. They most of them should have been just swimming. They had these people running mile, you know, miles and miles. The uh, Steve Cook, who's just an idiot. I'm sorry. I know many of you like him, but he's just an idiot. Was having a morbidly obese woman do box jumps. Like it's just it. it if you don't know enough not to train people, morbidly obese people like this, you don't know enough to be on this show or be seen as even a fitness professional. And if you did know better, you are just a sellout that cared, did not care about the long-term health of any of these people because you clearly were not building healthy habits. You were just teaching these people to, in fact, way under eat to the point where I find it hard to believe that any of them were actually getting the very basic macronutrients that they needed for health and the the over-exercising was just kind of grotesque to me. Uh, it was horrible. It's a horrible show in its inception, kind of. And it to me, it did more damage for the healthcare and fitness industry than anything. Uh, and it turned more people off to fitness than it turned on to fitness. I mean, you see these people, like, crush themselves at the behest of a trainer and coach only to, in fact, then, like, gain the weight back. It was horrible. Horrible, horrible diet, mm -hmm. you lose weight, right? For many of us, we can go on a diet, something like the biggest loser, right? You mm -hmm. go and you strict people, you make them work out for 10 hours a day, and then you feed them 500 calories. For most people, they will acutely lose weight. But 96- That is not for most people. That is for all people. If you put people in a massive caloric deficit, they're massively going to lose weight because 100% of the time, because reality exists, your body is going to go to your stored energy to make up the deficit to operate your body. It's not most people, all people, all people can lose weight. Not one human being could not lose weight. Now, if you, if you believe you out there are the person that could just not lose weight, please go to the nearest testing facility because you in your body as some sort of mutant right out of the Marvel X-Men universe, you in fact hold the key to solving world starvation. I mean, it's just stupid percent of those participants in The Biggest Loser regained their weight because their brain worked well. No, they didn't, re, 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 they didn't regain the weight because their brain worked well. They regained gained the weight because The Biggest Loser was horrible and taught no actual lifestyle change in habits. Uh, these people did not learn how to function in their normal daily lives after they went back. They Again, it was in a, like a fat camp, basically, and they went back without any type of, you know, uh, rehab or any type of uh, any type of halfway house or any type of integration back into their normal lives. So they just went back to their old habits and ate. It's just, I mean, it's so true that most of them suffered very serious, like injuries to their legs and stuff like that. Stress fractures to their feet, legs, uh, joint, joint issues from the training that they put them through. They did not go, go back to their weights because their brain worked correctly. Their brain was already not working correctly because they were eating in a disordered fashion that was causing them to be sickly and morbidly obese. And that wasn't actually corrected through lifestyle mitigation change and proper nutrition and proper exercise. It was changed via very serious restriction and very serious pain. And not one person can tell me that lasting lifestyle change, that lasting weight loss especially, will happen through any serious pain or any serious restriction. It just will not happen because it is a negative connotation with the actual act of being healthy. When you build up negative aspects of health, such as I need to put myself through very serious physical pain to lose weight, that builds up a negative connotation with, be, with losing weight. It should all seem like you're not on a diet. That's what we do at our coaching. At our coaching, we ask almost weekly to people, do you feel like you're on a diet? Because if they do, we make alterations because the idea is not to just 
crash, lose weight as fast as possible. The idea is to lose weight, change your lifestyle and keep it off for the entirety of your life. And that is what the show doesn't teach. And that is what this woman is not talking about. Your brain was already working incorrectly as your brain and your habits had you eating in a fashion that was in fact hurting you. So your brain was not working correctly. I don't care what anybody says, but that is not the case. Your brain was already working incorrectly and you did not do what you needed to do to build up new habits and lasting lifestyle and make it make it so it's an enjoyable process to in fact then build a healthy lifestyle for yourself. Your brain was working incorrectly to begin with and it's definitely working incorrectly when you got back because you in fact did not want to starve yourself or go through serious pain anymore. We're supposed to bring them back to store what they needed or what the brain thinks it needs. So willpower. That's the thing. The brain thinks it needs. It's not working correctly. It did not work correctly to begin with. Hang on a second. Throw that out the window. My last patient that I saw today was a young woman who's 30. Throw willpower out the window is such an unbelievable uh, marketing evil term used to sell pharma. I cannot even believe it. Throw willpower out the window. So you are not responsible. Your, your, your willpower means nothing is what this woman just said as she tries to sell this drug. Um, it's just, it, this is immoral. This woman should not, this woman should not have a medical license to tell people that they are not responsible for their own health, that they are not in charge of it. That, that this is amazing. This video started off with, with this woman saying that 40 years ago we weren't obese. And this woman is now saying that willpower is not the issue. It is the food and you are responsible for what you put in your mouth 100% of the time. It is harder for people because there's food addiction and there's all sorts of hormonal issues. And yes, when you're bigger, your body wants more energy just because you need more energy just to operate. But you can have your body go to your fat stores to take up that energy and in, and in fact, you know, lower your body down. But to say give up on willpower is in fact straight up marketing for healthcare and pharma. That, that it's it's immoral. It's absolutely immoral. Who struggles with severe obesity. She's been working out five to six times a week consistently. She's eating very little. Her brain is defending a certain set point. A set point, says Dr. No, absolutely not. If she's working out very seriously five or six times a week and she is eating very little, she would be losing weight. She might be eating too little and it might be causing her to be extra hungry. And again, I often talk about how in our coaching, we satiation, satisfaction, appropriate fitness level activity. Those are the three main things. We focus on making sure the person is satiated, satisfied, and does appropriate fitness level activity for their athletic ability. It should not feel like some sort of serious pain. They should enjoy the activity that they're doing and make it enjoyable, habitual activity. And they should always feel like they are at least satiated. They should not feel like they're extremely hungry because that is not a livable lifestyle. So the idea is, is to satiate and satisfy yourself on as minimal calories as possible, oftentimes having something just for enjoyment, uh, you know, occasionally just to make sure that you are not feeling too restricted so you can feel satisfied. Satiated, being satiated and being satisfied are two different things. This woman saying how her patient is morbidly obese, not losing weight, working out five or six times a week and not eating much, that's an open-faced lie. That is just an open, open, open-faced lie. Stanford is a range of weight your brain is in charge of maintaining by controlling how much food you eat and how much of it you store. And it doesn't address the food. Notice how they're not even addressing the food quality. Like, I mean, at all, because if you're eating ultra processed foods, you are going to have lower self-control, but also it makes you want to eat them more because you literally are going to have uh, hormonal and dopamine responses. Like if you eat ultra processed sugar, if you eat processed sugar, your body 
absorbs it very quickly, your insulin spikes, and you get a dopamine release from your brain. So you're happy about it. So you are going to want more because you now have a high blood sugar level and your insulin is released. You are going to want more and more and more of it. It is what you're eating. You know, I have yet to find anybody that does not stop eating ultra processed foods and all of a sudden lose just a tremendous amount of weight while feeling fully like full. They may want the ultra processed foods because they are addicted to them because uh, indeed it releases dopamine from your brain and people get addicted to that. To think that it is not addictive is in fact just kind of a lie uh, that these people avoid even talking about. One theory is that it's an evolutionary survival mechanism that helped retain fat during famines. So we had- If it was an evolutionary process, why did this video start off with 40 years ago, we weren't obese? That's, that's insanity. That's ridiculous. And if it is, then what, like, then maybe we're breeding, then maybe the wrong people were breeding because if it's an evolutionary process, 40 years ago, it was not an issue. As she said earlier in this video, 40 years ago, it was not an issue. And now when we have calories and food in more abundance than ever in human history, in ever in human history, calories are at more uh, accessible abundance in their cost and uh, uh, quantity ever in human history. Why would we evolutionarily believe we're in a famine now? Again, notice how they're not talking about the actual foods. COVID, mm -hmm. lots and lots of people gain weight. Do those people have a new set point that's higher now? So I love how she said it's an evolutionary process, but because of what we did about the pandemic, they gained a lot of weight and reset their set point to a fatter weight from earlier. Like if their, their set point before COVID was lower and now their set point is higher, is it really a set point or is it just a matter of the lifestyle change that they had? This double speak that is aimed at selling pharma is in this is just this is completely devoid of uh, medical and healthcare ethics. Th that I this is not ethical. Like ethics, medical ethics boards should actually step in about this because this is in fact any person that tells you that it is a set point because you know. Uh, like, so we reset our set point in the last three years. People like I reset my set point down forty pounds in apparently a famine of you know, an abundance. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's completely, completely ridiculous. Absolutely. So when you have a chronic stressor and you get to a certain weight and maintain that weight for, let's say, at least three to six months, then you recalibrate that set point to a different set point. I so in other words, if you could manage to, through lifestyle mitigation and change, lower your weight and keep it there for three to six months, new set points. So set points aren't really a thing. It's just your habits. The double speak is easily destroyed at every given second of every given minute of this video. Every single one, every single minute of this video, you can destroy the actual rhetoric. I challenge any of these people, and I've said it before, I don't care if it's Dr. Fauci, Bricks, this woman, the 60 Minutes person, I challenge any of them to a public debate on this. Anybody, call me right now and say, we'll be live in five minutes. I'll destroy them. Absolutely. Destroy, because I don't even I don't even need to have this near. I don't have the same pedigree as this woman. I don't have the same title, the same job, the same anything like that. But it's not logical. The, the stuff that's coming out of her mouth is not logical. It is it, it is contradictory in thought and speech to itself. It is just contradictory sentence after sentence after sentence because it is double speak. It is speak 
to make people feel that they are not in control, that they need this pharmaceutical or they need you know, surgery or whatever to in fact take control because they are trying to make it seem like it, people are devoid of choice. It is, it, and, and willpower, throw that out the window. This is unethical. This is unethical to sell pharma. I've always heard that it's the fast food, that it's the diet Cokes, that kind of thing, that is the instigator. Is that true? So I think we have to look at the different causes of obesity as a big pie. And that's one factor. But notice how I'm using this part of the pie, right? Yeah, yeah. The food's this part of the pie. No, the food is the pie, okay? The food that you eat is the pie. Your habits based around the food that you eat is the entire pie. You are not going to outwork a bad diet. You are not going to outwork how you eat. These items that we're talking about that she just mentioned have horrible effects on your, excuse me, horrible effects on your hormones, on your uh, mental health, on your physical health. It is not, absolutely not, a small piece of the pie. It is the vast majority, if not all of the pie, is what you eat. It is the food. Okay. But the number one cause of obesity is genetics. How is it genetics? This is, here, this, this is people, this is them trying to relieve people of responsibility. When at the very beginning of this, this woman did point out that 40 years ago, obesity was a very small thing. Our genetics did not change leaps and bounds in 40 years compared to the last however little millennia we've been around and they even just said minutes ago like a minute ago in the in this very own video they said that how people gained weight and kept it on from having you know different lifestyle habits for three to six months at a new weight in the last three years so in the last three years our genetics changed even more like it is ridiculous it is just not true it is absolutely not true a hundred percent it is completely unethical to even say that the biggest part of people being obese in our society is their genetics. That is not true. If people look at their family trees back four or five generations, I almost guarantee you that everybody was thin. I almost guarantee. There, of course, there's going to be some genetic outliers, but I can almost guarantee if you go back 60, 70, 80 years and look at people in their prime from your history, from anybody's history, they, in fact are not going to be obese. Again, very few genetic outliers, but they are in fact not going to be obese. That's a lie. That means if you are born to parents that have obesity, you have a 50 to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself, even with optimal diet, exercise, sleep management. That's not true. If you have optimal nutrition, optimal exercise, and optimal sleep and optimal hydration, you will optimally be at your optimal weight. If you are not, if you are not, like, because yes, genetics have some people have a little higher higher body fat percentage than others, but nobody is genetically obese. Nobody is genetically morbidly obese. Nobody, nobody is genetically that way. You control what you put in your mouth. You, your actions control it. It is not a genetic predeterminant that you are morbidly obese. It is not. I mean, she cannot back that statement up at all either. And if your parents were obese, it's because their lifestyle habits were bad and they gave you their lifestyle habits. They did not, it's not the genetics. It is that they fed you the same way they fed themselves. I would bet uh, an abundance of ultra processed foods. That's the truth. Stress management. So when people see families that have obesity, the assumption is, what are they feeding those kids? Yeah. They're doing something wrong. Actually, do you know this? 79 to 90% of physicians in the United States have significant bias towards individuals that are heavier. Now because now we're going to talk about weight stigma. Like, I mean, this is insanity because 
I'm, I'm, it's ridiculous to think that there's like they're, there's bias towards them. No, they're very realistic in the fact that it's their actions. It is their actions that are causing them to be obese. Very serious. Now, doctors listening to me may say, oh, it's not me. Hold your horses, because has that patient come to you and told you, look, doc, I'm eating well. Look, doc, I'm exercising. And the doc says to them, are you sure? I don't believe that that's really what you're doing. Because physics exists. Because energy balance exists. If they test the thyroid, if they test the hormones and all that is normal, the person is eating more calories than they in fact need. If they are genetically predisposed to have a lower metabolism, guess what? Surprise. And unfortunately for you, you just need to eat less than other people. But you are, if you are morbidly obese and not losing weight, you are eating more calories than your body would need to go into the fat burning process, the glyconeogenesis process of using your fat stores for your energy to make up the deficit. This is actual biology that this woman is just completely ignoring. Nobody can come to you and say, I am eating well and I am exercising and I am not losing weight when they're morbidly obese because that means they are eating too much. They're eating too many calories. This is brought to you, but not, by, not brought to you by them, but it's brought to you by Nova Nordics. It's brought to you by, I'm listening. Doing. Wait, are you saying that doctors don't understand obesity? Doctors? Doctors do not understand obesity. In one of her published studies, Dr. Stanford. Including you. Now listen to this one. Found that most medical schools don't teach that obesity is a disease. And in fact, don't even offer courses on it. Even though it's the second leading cause of preventable death in the country. After oh, now obesity is the second leading cause of preventable death in the country. Where I bet you have 60 minutes, I can look back in their history and find them saying that people are fat phobic all over the place. And we just, just literally said that there's medical bias. Like what, pick one. The contradictions are incredible. Just smoking. Nicole Sams, mother of five from Rhode Island, spent years going to doctors who all had the same message. Well, you just have to go see a dietitian. And I did, I did everything I was told to do. I went to a dietitian, I, you know, I sat, had the rubber foods come in front of me. Oh, only eat this portion. I'm like, <sighs> Maya Cohen went on her first diet when she was 13. At her heaviest, at five feet tall, she weighed 192 pounds. Did Thanks. you feel that people looked at you and said, why doesn't she stop eating? She's eaten her way to that. You know, you look at someone and you internalize, oh, they must think I'm eating too much. So it's just you after are. a while, you just personally think that, okay, everyone's telling you. You are eating too much. You don't think you're eating too much, but you are eating too much. It's not them. It is actually you. You are eating too much. You are eating too many calories. If you are fat, if you are morbidly obese, you are eating too many calories on a consistent basis, period. Because reality exists because energy is not created from nothing. <laughs> That's the thing. Like energy is not created, just poof, created from nothing. You are in fact eating too much. You don't think it. It's not them. It is you. It is you that is that does not realize it. They are saying the truth. You don't believe them because you are in your fifis and you should get out of your fifis and realize that you are in denial and are eating too much. Telling me that I'm that this is a flaw in my character, therefore it must be true. And so you start believing this. Don't you think if people walking down the street with obesity stigmatized as they are, shun, don't you think if they could lose weight shun. and keep it off, they would? The vast majority of society is overweight. The average male in America is almost 200 pounds with a Homer Simpson gut. The average woman in America is five foot three and a half inches tall, weighs 170 pounds, and has a waist to height ratio that puts them in morbidly obese category. The average woman in America. Don't pretend like this is not normalized. Don't pretend that like they are somehow shunned. Don't pretend those things. It is an open-faced societal lie designed to sell these types of things and make people feel that they are not responsible for their own actions. Ridiculous. 
Dr. Caroline Opovian, co-director of the Weight Management and Wellness Center at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston. Exercise is good. I'm walking a lot. Who sees both Maya Cohen and Nicole Sams is relieved. Why is one of them wearing the facial decoration and the other one not? That at last she has a highly effective medication to offer her patients that's safe, according to the FDA. With the medication. It's safe, according to the FDA. I wonder how many people have passed away after hearing those words. It does. It's part of a new generation of medications that brings about an impressive average loss of 15 to 22 percent of a person's weight, and it helps keep it off. 15 to 22 percent of a person's weight after 68 to 72 weeks. That's super bad. As a weight loss coach, I'm telling you that is super slow. And it helps them keep, keep it off as long as they take it. And it actually shows in the study for Wegovy, it actually shows in the last four weeks of the study, week 64, week 65, 66, 67, 68, it shows slight weight regain while still on it. And it is with, shockingly, guess what? Diet and exercise. It is absolute diet and exercise. It just approaches where it, uh, it, it is a, a synthetic hormone that helps a person feel less hungry with super and it's so it's safe by the fda standard there's a black box warning on it for thyroid tumors suicidal ideation worries you shouldn't prescribe it to people with depression it's even prescribed to children right now show me a fat kid that's not depressed it is literally on it, it, it i would not call it safe you know compared to other things you could take i personally would not call it safe this is ridiculous. This is a sales pitch. This is a sales pitch for these two drugs. Listen. A major issue. Doctors Apovian and Stanford have been advising companies developing drugs for obesity, including the Danish company Novo Nordisk, an advertiser on this broadcast. Did everybody hear that? I want to I go back. Here we go. Doctors Apovian and Stanford have been advising companies developing drugs for obesity, including the Danish company Novo Nordisk, an advertiser on this broadcast. So both the doctors that are talking on, on this helped in the development of this, of this drug and the broadcast on 60 Minutes is brought to you by the people that make this drug. Like this is an advertisement that is cleverly worded to not be an advertisement. The, the, the literal people, yeah, it's an advertisement disguised as journalism. The doctors, the experts that they have on helped develop this drug. You tell me that they don't have monetary stake in this drug to a great degree as they helped develop it. And 60 Minutes got advertising money from this company for this broadcast. It's insane. I mean, I'm sorry, it is complete craziness. It is absolute insanity that it is worded like that. At least, like, don't get me wrong, I try to sell my products too, but at least I say, this is my product. These people are avoiding this conversation and they're wording things to the point where it makes it seem more like you need this drug. Okay, so it's not lifestyle. You have no willpower. Get my drug. Stop it. Stop it. Listen to what they continue to say. It makes the drug Wagovi that you inject yourself once a week with something like an EpiPen. It's not easy to get. The drug is currently in short supply and it costs more than $1,300 a month. People in Hollywood can afford these expensive injections. And they're taking them. Yeah, Novo Nordics. Uh, first of all, I got, got to point out two things. Is it in short supply because they want to be able to charge $1,300 a month? Because somehow or another, we were able to make billions of doses of a new therapy that had never even been produced before. But this drug's been around a long time. And all of a sudden, we can't produce enough that we need to have it be $1,300 a month. 
and they're not necessarily people with obesity. Yeah. We have a national shortage on these medications. If those that have the means are able to get them, yet the people that really need them are unable to, then that creates a greater disparity, right? The, the haves and the have-nots. Oh, now we're going to talk about how it's horrible that's the have and have-nots. And you should never be a have-not in our society. You should never have to work for anything or you should never, like, it's not your willpower. Remember that. It's, it, you're just a have-not. So what we should do in their suggestion is for everybody to pay for this and, in, and increase taxes to cover the the Medicare Medicaid for it and increased insurance prices so everybody can help pay for people's obesity drugs. The vast majority of people with obesity simply can't afford Wigovi. And most insurance they could actually afford it if they changed their lifestyle. Insurance companies refuse to cover it, partly because, as AHIP, the Health Insurance Trade Association, explained in a statement, these drugs have not yet been proven to work well for long-term weight management and can have complications and adverse impacts on patients. What we've seen so far is really nausea, vomiting. You know, that's why these drugs are dosed slowly and oh. starting with low doses. Oh. Yeah, you got to start when you, when you introduce something toxic to your system, you got to start with a low dose and then keep introducing it slowly so your body gets used to the toxin. And build up and build up. Dr. Apovian says most of the side effects go away over time. Dr. Apovian, who helped develop this drug. We are frustrated every single day. And, they, and the side effects go away after time because your body gets used to the toxic nature of it, right? Okay. When we see patients who desperately need to lose weight to reduce the diabetes, reduce the hypertension, stroke, heart disease, and we can't give them. This Again, these drugs work by making you less hungry. That's, I mean, that, that they literally make you less hungry. It's fabulous robust medication that is very effective and safe and we can't give it to them because insurance it is not very effective nor by some people's standards is it safe very effective for me would be to lose you know 20 percent of your body mass in six months we have we have many people reporting back in losing 20 25 percent we have people reporting back in losing more body mass in six months on no, more, no morbidity and lifestyle mitigation and listening to uh, you know, eating, not, you know, staying away from processed foods and using the state of diminished hunger and increased stress relief that it provides six months, 25% versus theirs maximum of 22, like in the 22% range after 68 weeks, after showing a little bit of weight regain. So we'll cover it. I receive emails about denials that state that we're denying this because the doctor has not counseled the patient on behavior change as part of this. That's where the stigma of obesity comes in. The it's your behaviors. So again, she's going to argue that you need the drug because it's not your behaviors at all. You just need the drug. However, the drug is to help you with your behavior changes. And it's also needs to be done with diet and exercise. Idea that the patient can do it with diet and exercise. You would never do that to a patient with hypertension or heart disease or type two diabetes. Tell them that you just, just don't eat sugar. You'll be fine. Hypertension, type two diabetes, and uh, heart disease are all normally, you know, uh, uh, come come across from lifestyle problems too. You can avoid those things. You can avoid 90% uh, of type 2 diabetes with lifestyle mitigation, 80% of cardiovascular disease with lifestyle mitigation, hypertension, 80% also. 70% of all cases of cancer could be completely avoided by lifestyle change. This this is statistical fact that this woman is apparently, you know, not not actually bringing up because statistically speaking, Lifestyle mitigation can avoid these things instead of having to treat them. Now, once you have cardiovascular disease, you might need some medications, but obesity is something that can be controlled via lifestyle mitigation. Unfortunately for you, that wouldn't sell the drug that you helped develop. Novo Nordisk also makes a drug for type 2 diabetes called Ozempic, which most insurers and employers do cover. 
What frustrates the doctors is that Ozempic and Wagovi are exactly the same drug, though Wagovi for- They're exactly the same drug. The, the, the reason why Ozempic came through, by the way, is so they could get it approved um, and, and then done off label for through insurance. So basically your insurance rates are gonna go up because there's like what, 110 million people that, that could possibly you know, be qualified for these drugs. Insane. Obesity is usually prescribed at a higher dosage. When Maya Cohen wanted the medication for obesity. My insurance company told me that they considered a vanity drug. A vanity drug. So that suggests that the insurance company does not consider obesity a disease. Correct. Nicole was also denied coverage. On its website, her health plan through the state of Rhode Island puts anti-obesity medications in the same category as drugs for erectile dysfunction and cosmetic purposes. There are about 110 million Americans eligible for an anti-obesity medication. Imagine your insurance rates after 110 million people get prescribed this drug to only pay 40 to 50, even $100 a month, but the actual cost to your insurance company is $1,300. Because here's how insurance companies work. Insurance companies make profit. They just raise everybody's rates. People that have insurance that don't actually access the, the healthcare system as much as these folks they literally pay the extra. That's how they make money. So this would skyrocket, absolutely skyrocket, either taxes and or insurance rates. Again, this is just a absolute advertisement. I am gonna wrap this up because I'm not gonna go through the whole thing because it's just more propaganda. Uh, and I do have some other stuff I gotta get done. Please do share this video. This is a very important video that I think people need to see and people should understand that things like this where they literally admit halfway through that the drug company that they discuss and talk about how important it is that everybody, everybody has to pay for everybody's use of you know, the people that need this. Everybody should pay for it because that's what they're talking about. Insurance rates and taxes. They are being paid to say this by the company that makes this drug, as well as the only people that are talking to on here helped develop it. This is a conflict of interest and completely unethical, in my opinion, of course. And I would debate anybody live, given five minutes notice on it, and destroy them. I hope all of you have a great day. And I will be back probably later on today with some other videos. And if not, catch me live tomorrow. My name is Alan Roberts. Thank you very much.